Oh man, this place is so confusing. Where am I? This isn't my show. Where's Shaggy? Josh? Josh? Oh, hey, Tyke. Ahoy, what you doing here, Heather? Gina, is that you? Hey, hey. So, right wait and show wrong podcast? I'm getting warmer. Wait, where's Kelly? I think she's off sacrificing a chicken or something. Uh, she's vegan. She would never. Uh, Heather, you do seem to be on the show quite a lot. Do you want to just join us and stick around forever? Well, I'm kind of tired of wandering around, so don't mind if I do. Thanks. Nice. All right, then. Because we better get started. This is the Nevers Podcast. This is the Nevers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of upcoming HBO series, The Nevers, from writer, director, and intermittent social media pariah, Joss Whedon. You can download and stream The Nevers Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or even on YouTube where you can follow and subscribe, or visit the website at hbothenevers.com. Com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HBO The Nevers. If you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, email them to theneverspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon. So if you enjoy our content, please consider supporting us there. Benefits include personalized shoutouts on the podcast, access to our VIP Facebook group, The Nevers Podcast Swag, entry into giveaways, and access to Dollhouse Awakens, our bi-weekly show where we revisit every episode of Dollhouse, and so much more. Just search The Nevers Podcast Patreon. I'm your host, Tyg, and joining me today is Gina. Hey. And our newest co-host, Heather. Whoop, whoop. So. Hey, y'all. You're now an official member of our team, Heather. Would you like to... Yeah, for the two people out there that don't already know you, would you like to introduce yourself and explain why you've jumped ship to join us here at the Nevers podcast? I think Matt, Matt and I probably had the exact same idea at the exact same time. And um, I already had a podcast and we decided, oh, won't it be fun to do another one? And it became really clear um, getting into it that it was too much work. I have a full-time job. I have another podcast. Um, I have a hobby that, aside from that, that's really time-consuming. And Jackie wasn't really comfortable with the depth of the subject matter we needed to go into. Like, she's a casual viewer. Josh had a job and has three other podcasts. I mean, including one that he edits. And it, and we started thinking about having to do it weekly once the show goes. And it just, you know, it, it became kind of... I started thinking about, I don't know if we can keep up with this. Meanwhile, you guys were killing it, Right. And I was so jealous, so jealous, like getting the interviews, Matthew's interview foo just made me crazy. Um, and you, you know, he was working really hard at the social media and I would ebb and flow with that. So we had gotten to know each other behind the scenes. He reached out to me. There was, you know, out of nowhere, like, I thought you guys were an official podcast. And then he was like, nah. <laughs> so, um, so we started talking and he wanted to exchange talent and I said, sure. And I just started coming over so much. And then I, I went to him about 
I'm thinking about quitting my podcast, which he tried to talk me out of, um, uh, which I find very interesting. And um, I hadn't made the decision when he asked me to come over. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's the solution. I can still be involved and help produce and get my yayas out with the show with other people that are just as um, fanatic, but I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. And so that's, um, I haven't announced it on uh, the Nevers cast yet because I, I, the, I don't want to step on this episode for one thing and we're behind on editing and I, and I don't want to pull the show when Joss is getting dragged basically. So that's the story. Well, I think that's a very clever sort of sympathetic way to do it. And speaking as a former Nevercast listener, I'm really going to hate to see you go because I did love your content. But speaking as your new co-host, really glad to have you here. You're an excellent person to work with. Well, I was going to say, you were on half of our shows anyway. I was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, we, we haven't like... really been two shows. We've been kind of one and a half shows for quite a yeah, while. It's, yeah. it's, we're just making it official now. Well, you know, I would, our mysterious producer is, he's such a kind person mm. and he was immediately collaborative where I would have, my um, nature would have to been, that's the competition and we're going to bury him. You know what I mean? So it was super refreshing. It's a lesson I've taken from him and I really appreciate it. No, no, I, I, I don't know at all what you mean. I've, I've never had thoughts along those lines. Me either. <laughs> what that's, are you talking about? That's the official line and we're Sweet. going to stick to it. But no, yeah, like I've, I've said it before, I'm, I'm going to say it again on this on this special podcast. I do want to just restate how much of a freaking legend our producer Matt is. We, like, not just because he's the one that re- recruited us all, like freaking Nick Fury, but we would not be here half, sounding half as well as we do without him. So, he's, yeah, yeah he's amazing. For all the Neverites out there. He's, yeah. he's also really patient with us. Um, <laughs> the past year, sometimes I couldn't be on some episodes, uh, for health reasons and, um, and we've missed Kelly, but he's really patient with us. And if we ever need anything, and if we need to step away for a second, he's been really patient and kind. So thank you, Matthew. We really appreciate it. We love you, yeah. Matthew. Three cheers for behind the scenes talent. But so yeah, it's been a while since we've all recorded together. What has everyone been up to since we last recorded? Gina, would you like to fill us in on your comings and goings? Sure. I never plug myself. I don't, I'm like, Heather, I don't like, uh, <laughs> well, maybe Heather does like this. I don't know. Um, I don't really like talking the best about myself or bragging, but I've worked really hard to be a screenwriter for a long time. I, I moved to LA like nine years ago and it's, it finally feels like it's happening. And, uh, my sister and I That's are going to, thank you. I, I, it, it yeah, I never thought it would actually happen. Um, so we're going to pitch on a biopic soon to producers. And they've Excellent. also, yeah, and they also want to read one of our biopics that we've read. And they've already read one of our scripts and they loved it. So it's like my little thing that I've been up to and I'm really happy about it. That's, that's so great, Gina, because I know that's so brave. Mm. Because I know a bunch of my friends that have moved to LA to try and make it, you know, in their chosen creative field, whatever it is, and, you know. It, LA is rough, man. It is unforgiving town. You mean so when when you when you get to the uh, the big premieres, we can we all crash the party and come along and see you? Oh, you guys are <laughs> the number one on my invitations. <laughs> oh, we're going to Germany. Remember, Matt invited us all to Germany. Oh, yeah. That too. We're gonna we're gonna go hang in his bitch in apartment. Yes, <laughs> it is freaking sweet. 
It is bitching. Right? We'll like, just Jesus, dude. We'll just globe trot. Go to Tig. Like we'll just. <laughs> yeah, we'll just globe trot, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, hell no. <laughs> what about you guys? What have you been up to? <laughs> so I'm in America with Gina. Um, I'm in Colorado. Um, I've been doing the usual. I'm working. I'm an essential worker, so I have to go into the office. Um, I've been working on my other podcast, Mares in Black, which is a podcast about toy horses. For too too long, didn't read. That's the the (laughs) short of it. Um, Watching America fall apart. That's been fun. (laughs) Um, And Hamilton came out on the third. So I've just been completely immersed in that literally 24-7. Because I hadn't seen the show, and because I hadn't seen the show, I didn't listen to the soundtrack, so it's all new to me. And it is like, I've there's been a lot of things out there that were hyped up, and I was so excited to see them, and I saw them, and I was like, really? This was beyond it. It's like Buffy levels of connection there for me. I'm like, yeah, it's a masterpiece, and as soon as we're done with this, I'll probably watch it again. <laughs> You're like, come on, let's get this podcast done. So I can watch Wow. So yeah, so Tyg, what about you? Uh, yeah, not really been up much. Just sort of hiding in my flat while England slowly consumes itself. Uh, there's not really much to do here. I've been watching Dark. That show is amazing. Watched the last episode last night. Absolutely beautiful finale. If you haven't seen it, seriously check it out. Brilliant, brilliant show. It's all on Netflix. Uh, that's actually about it. I've <laughs> just been hiding and watching Dark. This episode of the Nevers Podcast is sponsored by Dead Good Teas, aficionados of the sci-fi and horror genre and creators of premium heavyweight t-shirts and hoodies that are built to last. Dead Good Teas ships worldwide, so whether you're braving the Arctic winds of the Yukon or strolling the beaches of beautiful Thailand, Dead Good Teas has you covered. Thank you to Dead Good Teas for supporting quality podcasting. Start shopping today at deadgoodteas.co.uk and don't forget, you can follow them online at Dead Good Tease. Okay, we are going to transition into our first sort of topic for the evening. As I'm sure people will know, this is our one-year anniversary podcast. We've been doing this for officially 12 months now, which is absolutely insane. I ne- like, yeah, it's just, it's amazing, and I, I want to you know thank all our listeners who've been here, and for those people that maybe. Are just you know joining us now or have come across from the Nevers cast. So thought we'd give a brief sort of backstory, a bit of character development for the podcast to let those people that don't know know how exactly this all happened. Many years ago, in the misty wilds of last year, our producer Matt, who is a massive Joss Whedon fan, was elated to hear the Nevers be announced, and because you know this is the first chance for a lot of us to be in right at the ground floor for these fandoms. He thought it would be a good idea to create a real community for the fans around the season. And the first thing he wanted to do was create a podcast, followed by website and social media and all that. He had initially envisioned it as just a one-person show with himself as the host, but he decided that hosting, especially on his own, was not really his forte. So he put the word out... And that's where he recruited the four OG hosts. Myself, Gina, and then Tabitha and Kim. I've always wanted to know this story. I don't know how he got all of you. Yeah. It, it, was, the, it was the funniest <laughs> thing. Basically, he just put a post up on the Facebook group saying, like, you know, if you want to join in and contribute. What group was it? Uh, the Nevers Podcast. The group that we have now, the Nevers Podcast group. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Then, yeah, um, Tabitha and Kim, okay. sadly, left quite soon afterwards, for reasons we've covered before. And he brought in the amazing Kelly and Dennis. Dennis apparently was taken by the dollhouse and mysteriously vanished <laughs> a few months in. And it's been Gina, Kelly and myself pretty much ever since. And now, thankfully, we have the amazing Heather joining us from the Neverscast. And that is an incredibly brief, missing all the kind of boring details, intro to the amazing Neverscast. <laughs> yeah, so um, I remember Matthew in the Nevers, like, Facebook page, right? Like Tag said, he posted something about, like, hey, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. Is anyone interested? So as soon as he posted that, I was like, I I better be in this. <laughs> like, <laughs> in the nicest way possible. But I emailed him, and I was like, hey, I have some podcast experience. I used to have, like, a Buffy Comics podcast. I'm obviously obsessed with Joss Whedon. And here's my little trick. So I'll let you guys know how I got picked out of so many people that replied. And I feel bad about it, but not really. Um, I'm like, <laughs> were there a lot of people? I, Did a lot I, of people apply? I'm assuming. I mean, there's enough that they got the four hosts, dropped two of those hosts, got two hosts back, and there's a couple of hosts that I know applied and didn't get on. <laughs> that's That's actually a good question. But I was like... One more thing. I live in Los Angeles, so if there's ever <laughs> so exactly us. like if there's ever any nevers <laughs> events, and I go to Comic Con, I'm your person. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. I know. This so is the, the point. Sorry, that's I love it. I love it. That's <laughs> this great. is the point when I would sort of castigate you for sneaking your way into the podcast like that. If I hadn't done the literal exact same thing, but saying, <laughs> I live in London, by the way, so I'm right by where they're filming. Just saying. Oh, th- that's hilarious. But uh, I love it's that. quite funny. I actually, when I first applied to sort of be part of the podcast, I actually didn't want to be part of the podcast because I hate the idea of kind of talking in public. I, I don't like my voice. I don't want to kind of share it with the world. I had initially said, because... You're crazy. My big thing. You're, you're amazing on air. God right? dang it, Todd. <laughs> I didn't know until now. I mean, apparently it works. Although I, I, I do suspect that a lot of that just comes from the fact that Americans love the British accent. And I'm the Brit here. No, I have met some dead boring Brits. Oh, yeah, true. Like, no. <laughs> to be fair, I know quite a few, so yeah. Trust me. Supported. <laughs> but like, my, my big thing has always been... Right, I used um, I kind of got into the world of reviewing by writing uh, episode and then chapter reviews for a manga called Bleach. That was kind of my start, and um, so I always just figured I'd be right. I was going to be writing Facebook reviews for the Nevers anyway. I was like, well, I mean, if I'm going to be writing them anywhere, I might as well put them up in some kind of centralized location so the people that aren't on my friends list can find them. And from there, kind of, he was like, "Do you want to just try being on the podcast?" And I was like, "Eh, why not?" I mean, I, I was this was I was so kind of new with the whole thing. The first ever episode is actually recorded on my iPad. It's just me speaking into the integral mic on my iPad. So for anyone that listened to that first <laughs> podcast and received major ear pains from that, I apologize in advance, and I assure you that the moment the episode was recorded, I would add Matt's spamming my dms saying for the love of god buy a mic i will pay for it just don't record on your freaking ipad oh <laughs> uh, yeah those first ones i listened to them and they i was like yeah they're rough god. we've come a long way in this year it's crazy the, the, really quick the funny thing is about the first episode with tabitha and kim i had met them at comic-con and i had no idea they were going to be co-host with me so i kind of found out i think the day before i'm like no way you're a part of the podcast and then they left yeah 
Why did they leave? I, I think you told me they were overwhelmed by the the schedule, yeah. Matt. Wanted. It's Is quite it? similar to the reason that uh, Jackie uh, Jackie had to go. Kind of wasn't totally in on it. Uh, basically, they just they weren't aware of how much work it would take, and they didn't particularly want to be recording every week and it's they got a bit overwhelmed and decided to call it off which is i mean it's fair enough it's it's gonna be crazy when this we start recording like two episodes a week every week but yeah i I don't think it was so much with jackie in particular it wasn't the schedule she felt like her big thing was she felt out of her league she felt out of her depth and i get that like you you couldn't put me on a dc show and I wouldn't know shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> I could be entertaining, but I wouldn't have anything to offer. <laughs> like I can for something like this where I get the universe and I'm, you know, obsessed with it. <laughs> um, Speaking of your obsession with the universe, do you want to share your story of how you... Well, kind yeah, of it I mean, it's, uh, my story is behind the scenes because I just joined. I mean, I've appeared on some episodes, but that's not... I mean, the episodes have been great and I had a good time, but that's not particularly interesting. What's what's interesting is, like I said earlier, Matt and I had the uh, the same idea at the same time. I had said for years, especially after uh, Firefly and um, Dollhouse both got com- you know completely screwed by Fox, and he wasn't allowed to execute his vision. I was like, he needs a show on HBO, and this is before Netflix existed. I was like, because HBO will give him the reins, you know, and and, and at that time he didn't have that kind of juice. Right, mm-hmm. Avengers hadn't come out. You know, so finally, when he had the juice, I was like, I was like, this has got, this has got to happen sooner or later. And when it did, I had already started my other podcast and I was like, Jackie, Josh, we have to do this. <laughs> um, and before we'd even started, you guys, well, I had grabbed all, I know I had grabbed Never's Cast out from under you guys, <laughs> um, according to Tyg. Um, and we were, I was like, we're just going to sit on it because there's nothing to talk about right now. And then, I was Googling and I found you guys and I was like, we got to go. Somebody's already doing it. <laughs> like we're like two episodes behind. So we, we started up and like right after we started up, this little voice came to me through Twitter and it was Matthew. And he was like, Hey, you know, we should collaborate. Let's cross pollinate. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> I, like I was very guarded. I was like, and he was just so nice. And he was like, God, your audio quality is great. And you sound great. And I've been looking for hosts, but you know, you got a really good show. And do you want to, do you want to exchange hosts and do some stuff together? And I was like, is this guy for real? Like, is he trolling me? What is going on? And it turned out he's genuine. Like, I'm not really sure he, he does exist. Like, but oh, there's no, somebody on the other, <laughs> there's somebody on the other end of that messenger that I talked to that's, you know. He's a fairly cool person. But yeah, so um, he was the one I went to for advice about my show. And um, he's he's an amazing person. So and, and I'm really glad I got this opportunity because you guys are great. And I think it's taken this long to work out what the show needs. And I, I think I bring a lot to the show. So I'm pretty happy. Definitely have to agree. But yeah, I do have a sneaking suspicion that Matt's actually Joss Whedon. But that won't be confirmed <laughs> until we get in person. <laughs> He wishes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just want to be one of his staff writers. Oh. Matt or Joss? No, Joss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, initially, we had three ideas for the title for the show. One was The Neversmore, which kind of a play on the Edgar Allan Poe, which I wasn't a huge fan of. And then there was The Nevers Cast, which we realized was taken. And then the third option was just go with The Nevers Podcast and think of something funny down the line. And it's now been a year and we still haven't thought of anything funny, so we're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> so I offered him our branding. I, I said, if you want to take the name, you can have it. And he, 
And he was like, he was like, I think we're too established. And I was yeah. like, I don't know about that because my name is better, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to me. But I, so I was going to tell you, Ty, you need to go be like, let's come on. Let's go take the name. Call it Never's Cast, a Never's Podcast or something. What's up, Whedonites? This is Tharias from the Tharias Unlimited YouTube channel. Just wanted to say congratulations to the Nevers Podcast on their one-year anniversary. The best podcast on the interwebs for anyone wading through the current void of new Joss Whedon content. Here's hoping that by the time they finish out year two, the wait will be over and the Nevers will have finally premiered. Or, you know, release a trailer, featurette, poster maybe. Yeah, it's been a long wait. Cheers! You you know our you know our voices you know most of our names but do you actually know us? We are now going to have a quick Q and A session with our three hosts, so you can get to know. This is not going to be quick. <laughs> it's oh, not yeah, at all. I'm scrolling through. These are long ass questions. Buckle in, people. This is going to be a while. Get a drink, maybe some food. You're going to need it. A not at all brief Q and A section with three of the hosts of the Nevers podcast. We miss you, Kelly. We do. Kelly. It's not the same without you. But questions for everyone. Number one. What Whedonverse character would you want to be in quarantine with? Gina, if you want to answer first. Any time to think. Oh. 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 Okay. Oh. <laughs> um. I. <sighs> Okay, okay. Just because I have to say something. This is a weird answer for me, and I wouldn't think I would have said this. But I will say Angel. Because I think he has a lot of stories. And I would love to just hear him talk about it. Will he talk about it? Maybe not. But I feel like if I ask enough times, I'd be like, Angel, we're in a quarantine. I know you're used to this, but let's talk. (laughs) And yeah, I'm a little biased because like my favorites are like Drusilla and Spike. So I'll just ask about them and know about them. And he might have biased answers, but that's also really fascinating. So that's my answer. <laughs> Pretty solid answer there. Especially off the top of your head. You know, um, I've thought and I've thought and I've thought and I've thought and I've gone the obvious way, like who's hot and I've gone, the, you know, who can I talk to? And I'm, you know, gone the way of who can take, you know, who could take care of me. And I, I, I think the person I would be the most compatible with that I could put up with for months on end is Willow. Oh. And she could teach me how to hex people. True. <laughs> Good, cool. What about you, Ty? Well, I have gone back and forth. My first answer was like, hmm, locked up for six months. Inara. Maybe Asher. Inara. Well, maybe, maybe Fred. I, kinda, I, I bounced back and forth between the two. But then I thought, you know what? Like, this flat is falling apart now because I'm terrible at maintenance. I'm going to have Kaylee stay with me because she can keep everything running. She's awesome. Like We'd we'd have a lot of fun just talking about nonsense. She could teach me how to fix stuff and keep things running. I could cook and keep us both fed. I think we'd work. And she's hot. And she's hot, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for a second I thought you were going to say Xander and I was like, Ty! No, I wouldn't last a week. I'd batter him to death with his own stupid leg. (laughs) Kaylee would kind of keep the house in one piece while I kept us both fed. I think it would. 
It would work quite well. Okay, so well, we're moving into uh, questions for each of us, posed by each of us. So my question for Tyga is, I know you were a chef for a period. How was that and why did you move on like to music or whatever you're doing now? That's actually a great links up quite well my answer there. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, a, I'm, I'm, I am still obviously a, a trained pastry chef and Ooh. I was a freelance baker for about five years. The problem was I was great at the baking part and I had a kind of captive audience because my godmother's daughter, my, kind of my god sister, was in high school at the time. So I, I kind of just, I got all the cakes from like, all her birthday parties. I would just do all of that. And she was a vegan, so it gave me a good chance to sort of try different recipes and you know expand my skill the problem was because i was mostly cooking for friends and friends of friends i didn't really feel right kind of charging them properly so i was like i'll oh, just just pay for ingredients and you know it's, it's all good leave it there so i was doing it for like five years and basically ended up losing money rather than making it and like it i, I, you know, I gave it the old college try but it just it wasn't uh kind of viable business plan so i just kind of knocked that on the head and then um obviously my my father runs a record label so when sort of when i needed some work i was like can i work with you at the label and he's obliged thankfully so i've been the assistant labor manager there for the past few years and it's just so much fun it's it's a great job i love it so sounds fun yeah like it's sounds just fun. so many great people getting to talk to and you know just things used to listen to music all day and then i, I write a blog for them so i still get to test my and then i'm uh i'm trying to write a novel so it's good cause it, it gives me a lot of time you and matt to, both yep it gives me a lot of time to kind of work on that when i'm not corralling wayward musicians so i wrote a book when i was 12 really <laughs> What was it about? I haven't tried. I haven't really tried since. Oh, it was <laughs> stupid teenage love story, Mary Sue crap. But it was four hundred pages, Ooh. and I thought it was a masterpiece at the time. I'm sure it's great. No, Gina, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what? That's what I've always known is that I can write, like because I'm driven to do it. Right? I haven't ever done it like professionally, except for my own expression. Right? Like blogs and stuff like that. Um, but I enjoy writing. I just don't want to do it full time because the pressure like blows my creativity out the window. It's funny. I thought I'd be the same, but recently I've been doing uh, comic book reviews. So you, you have to have them up. Like, yeah, like um, yep. some, some, yep. some of them are actually previews, not reviews. So I get the comic, I get free like review copies of the comics before it comes out. And you have to have the review, the preview up before the release date, because I thought like the whole point is to push up sales. So I, th- I thought I'd struggle with doing that, but actually... I found that just a little bit of pressure to get me to my keyboard does really help. So I think if I had a bit more pressure in my novel writing, it might have been done by now. That thing I can do if I have to deliver a review, if I have to do technical or like not technical, but review or a think piece or something like that, that's not as bad. Full on creative, that's where the pressure will get to me. If I, I'd be like George R.R. R. Martin working on a book for <laughs> 10 damn years. You know what I mean? All right, Gina. So my question for Taig, in a previous episode, you mentioned that you studied martial arts. What style of martial arts was it? I kind of know that answer a little bit because I was part of that episode, but just in case our listeners hadn't listened to that. And when was that when you did martial arts and have you kept up with it? And can you teach me? (laughs) Uh, I can teach you. I can't teach you very well. So it depends on what level you want to learn. But no, um, I've actually I've studied a few over the years. Uh, back in high school, I, I, you know, because it's entry level, I studied karate. 
And I was quite good at that. I got quite far. But uh, it got to the point where I had to kind of pick. I, I was getting to like GCSE level. And I had to really kind of buckle down and study. So I buckled down and sort of studied and let the martial arts go. But I mean, I've always loved kind of Kung Fu and all that sort of stuff. So I, you know, I watched all the films. I wanted to learn how to actually throw down. And then when I saw Ong Bak, I was like, ooh, Muay Thai is a lot of fun. So I looked around my area and saw kind of what kickboxing class and stuff were available. So I, I found one and started doing that. It was okay. I was there for a couple of years and I sort of, lesson one, this is how you punch. Lesson two, this is how you kick. That's basically, it. I mean, I'm sure I'll get flamed by a bunch of martial artists for saying that, but I was studying kind of just normal kickboxing. I couldn't find a Muay Thai class. I was just doing like standard kickboxing. And they didn't seem to, it was, it was a lot of sparring and not a lot of training. So I sort of, I, I stopped that a while ago, but I've still, obviously I still know how to do it all. So I do practice semi-regularly kind of just on a punching bag. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find someone that does kendo, but it's surprisingly hard. That is, that is so cool. Tying, you can, <laughs> I know you can like <laughs> kick somebody's ass and then bake them a cake. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. All right. Ty, if you were a beer, what kind of beer would you be? Defend your position. Oof. Um, <laughs> oh, I'd be punk IPA because my label mostly does punk and it's the only type of beer. It's the only type of beer I can think of because I don't really drink that much beer. I'm more of a whiskey person. But yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd be uh, punk IPA because uh, IPA punk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Amazing. And a silly question for me. You're a writer. So if you could be a writer on one Whedon show, which one would it Ooh. be? Ooh. I mean, the, the never seems the obvious choice, but <laughs> secretly, really, if I was going to be writing for one show, it would have to be Dollhouse. I just, I love kind of, I love the concept of the Dollhouses and the the imprinting. And I just think because really every show she like Echo kind of starts as a new person, you can really, you can write whatever kind of story you want and it'll fit into that world. And I don't want to go into any spoilers, but in kind of in the back half of season two, we see a very different take mm-hmm. on their world, shall we say. Yes. And I, I would really yep. love to have written one of those kind of late season two episodes. And it would have been a lot of fun. So th- th- this kind of segues I- into the, my next question, which is... Um, I know you're into Doctor Who and you're fairly versed in sci-fi. Um, do you hope that this show is hardcore steampunk or do you hope they go lighter on the sci-fi supernatural elements more like Firefly or what, what, what is your thinking about how, what level of engagement you want of sci-fi fantasy from this show? Hard core. <laughs> I want full on all the time steampunk. I need it. <laughs> I've just um into the Badlands a few years ago. It was, it was like a, it was um Imagine Journey to the West, but post-apocalyptic and a I little saw- bit steampunk. I loved that show, and I was so sad when it ended. And if and we actually we've sold one of the my favorite actors from that show into this, Nick the amazing Nick Frost. So yeah, I think if obviously being as it is set in a mostly realistic Victorian England. We're not going to go full down that path. But I've been saying from you know day one, if we can get like steampunk mechs or something, that will just make my day. I mean, we know we've got one character who's a crazy inventor. I want to see all the cool stuff she makes. I want to see cars, freaking planes, battle suits. Bring it. I need it. 
Ooh, battle suits. Oh, yes. I've never thought of that. <laughs> I'm I'm literally always thinking of battle suits at any given time. <laughs> He's got a mech fetish. <laughs> no. So that's the outer part of the world. Uh, what inner struggles would you like to see some of the characters struggle with? Ooh. That's a tricky one. I know the main character's best friend, whose name I'm temporarily blanking on, described as a devout but heretical Christian. I, I, no, that's Lucy Best. Yes, thank you. I want to see. I want to see that play out. I want to see how they manage that duality because I think that's like you know even you know, it's, we're in 2020. Religion is such a huge part of the world of public consciousness. I want to see how he balances that idea of kind of religion versus science not just in the world as a whole but within a single character having one person who has to kind of straddle that duality at a time when as a country we were quite religious and there were still heresy laws and shit so i think that kind of triumvirate is going to be a very interesting one to explore i think yeah i think that's what i'm most looking forward to I need I need this show already, guys. I, I need it. So, Heather, you started out studying film and television before switching to graphic arts, arts, then communication, and now you're a publications manager. What motivated the change in careers? Short answer, too long, didn't read, is boredom, right? Um, I'm an army brat. I moved all the time when I was a little kid. Every three years, I went to like 13 schools. I lived in Europe. We almost moved to, I grew up in Europe, actually. We almost moved to Africa at one point because my dad was an officer in the army. And I blame it a lot for my my kind of restlessness, like needing, needing to get up and go every three years. And it's really like clockwork. Like I'll get the itch every three years. I'm also a very smart person and a curious person and I get bored very easily. So I'm always, I'm always kind of swimming like a shark looking for the next thing I'm passionate about. You know, I can, and it, that's why I never stick with anything really. Um, unless I'm just, you know, the fact that Joss Whedon has commanded my attention for this for 20 years, 15 years is if you count the movie, Buffy the movie, which I worked at a movie theater then and saw it in the theater. That's the one consistent thing, two consistent things. Of, you know, creativity as far as art and writing goes and Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so hopefully I won't punk out on you guys. <laughs> I really hope not. Speaking of the almighty Whedon, if you could cross over any Whedonverse show with a single non-Whedonverse show, which two shows would you pick? I had to think about this a long time. This is a tough mm. question because if, if you talk about all the girl power shows that would mesh well, because obviously I'm going to say Buffy for the Whedon verse show, then you're just mashing it up with shows that took their pages from Buffy, like alias, like Veronica Mars, blah, blah, blah. So I pivoted and thought, how can we reinvent Buffy? And I think the perfect vehicle for it would have been American Horror Story, except season to season retelling a new Slayer story in a different era with the same rotating cast, switching out roles. Fucking brilliant, right? Oh, oh my God. I need that show. Right. Okay, Joss, look, I know you're listening. You've already stolen a couple of, couple of our ideas. Take that. Run with it. I need that. Plus, plus, 
Tim Minear was part of that, so. 100%, yes. Look at Gina. I think you've broken Gina, Heather. I hope you're proud of yourself. The reason why I'm not beyond obsessed with Doctor Who is because, like, actors mean a lot to me. I get really attached to actors, like, way too much. So, like, the idea <laughs> of, like, the Buffy cast, oh, my God, playing different characters. <sighs> okay. Like, like it wouldn't be, it's like, I would say, like American Horse, it would be everybody all the time right. switching up. But you would, you would have, like, because they have, like, an ensemble of 15 or 20 actors that come and go, including Dennis O'Hare, right? right? So, can you imagine a noir Buffy? <laughs> well, I'm kind of hoping that's what we get with Nevers, to be honest. No, I mean, 1940 straight up Humphrey Bogart noir. Don't cry, Gina. <laughs> Do you know who I think would excel in that type of situation is Anya. Oh. I think Emma Caulfield just has like has that look. She would look amazing in the kind of 50s quaff long dress. Oh, totally. She totally, would be perfect. Totally. Zander, of she course, would be, be terrible. The, yeah, she should be the slayer in that one. Oh my God, yes. I didn't even, I thought, I kind of figured that Buffy would always be the Slayer, but... No, the Slayer changes. It's a different Slayer. It's, you know, one... I mean, because Endgame on every season is they get capped, and a new Slayer rises. Th- this is hurting me. <sighs> what could have... I, I, I didn't think it was possible to improve upon Buffy, but grats, Heather, you just did it. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I need that to be made. We, we also, we're kind of missing one obvious point. Joss, obviously, don't steal that. You're working on the Nevers. Stick working on the Nevers. Monica Owusu-Breen, you're out there making a Buffy reboot. Do that. Don't just give us a retread of the series we've already had. Do that. Do Slayers Through the Ages. Just call it, like, The Slayer or something. Although you might get it. We could have the, we could have the inside now on the Boxer Rebellion and the Tales of the Slayers. Exactly. And, oh. It'd be so good. <sighs> Since my mind is going to explode if we don't move on to the next question. Um... <laughs> Any any writers or directors you'd love to see write or direct a one-off episode of The Nevers? Um, so I think we touched on this. But I, I know I touched on it with Ty, mm. that Neil, Neil Gaiman would be great. Yes. Um, I would also love Drew Goddard to come in and do an episode. Yeah. Um, and Drew Greenberg, who is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, and was saying how much he's glad to be back in the Whedon Aww. fold because his experience on other shows was not the same. Uh, as for specifically women, Sophia Coppola and uh, kick-ass hero of mine, Catherine Bigelow. Good call. Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow is a badass. Mm. Um, the character descriptions, we've, we've gone over them with a fine-tooth comb. They're reading those small passages, who do you identify with the most out of all the characters? Um, it's tough. So... There are several in, in those bios. There are several little uh, glimmers that are part of me, but they're they're spread across like three people. But the one that comes closest is Lucy Best because she's you know the Irish Catholic does what's right, but is you know an agitator, is a smart person. That's kind of I think part of Penance is in there too. But yeah, <laughs> Penance Penance Adair, smart girl, and the and the the person that is spiritual but thinks that organized religion sucks <laughs> good combo good good choice all right on to gina bobina um la or hollywood is a tough business why'd you want to be a screenwriter and how did you break into it um my sister and i moved to la for music moving across the country 
could do a lot on your mental health. <laughs> so after a few years doing music, we were so burnt out, really thinking about moving back home, honestly. And then we, we took a trip to London in 2014. And we actually performed in London. I don't know if you know this place, Ty. It's called the Spice of Life restaurant. Anyway, so we went to London for two weeks, got to perform there. It was the best because everyone was like, oh my God, you guys are from LA. You guys are amazing. And it, it's, it wasn't the same reaction from us performing in the US. But while we were in London, we went to the National Gallery. And uh, right. And there is obviously, uh, I know, I know, um, Vincent Van Gogh paintings. I know we, the correct pronounce. Wow, I can't talk. Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to the book gift shop of the National Gallery. And there's this book about Vincent Van Gogh and Paul Gauguin and the time they spent together. And I turned to Lisa and I was like, why hasn't anyone ever written a script about this? And what a weird thing to say. Because we, we never wrote a screenplay. We never thought about writing a screenplay. And man, two years later... We wrote our first screenplay about their time, how they were acquaintances and they start off as acquaintances and it ends with Van Gogh cutting his ear off because that's how insane they made each other. And it was only nine weeks. Um, and, and, and somehow that's a great idea, right? <laughs> and, and there's been films about Van Gogh and, and Paul Gauguin has been in them, but I, I feel like no one's ever just focused on their relationship. And our script is called the starry night. And we tie that together with why Vincent painted the starry night when he was in an asylum. Somehow after doing research for years and then writing it in two months, we got in the top 50 of um, the most prestigious amateur screenwriting competition out of 7,000 uh, submissions. Wow. So we're like, huh, maybe maybe we should keep doing the screenwriting thing because weirdly enough, we got more success with that faster than music and we've been singing our entire lives. So it's weird. That's how we got into screenwriting and we've never really looked back. And and it makes us so happy. And we've always been obsessed with storytelling and film and TV and analyzing it. And people have always said like, are you and your sister like film majors? Because the way you talk about film is just kind of different than other people. So I guess we should have always followed that. Um, we were theater majors. Like we analyze acting and I don't know. So I get it. <laughs> taking a trip to London uh, inspired us. That's how we got into screenwriting, I guess. That's freaking awesome. That's out of a story. That is freaking awesome. Like I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, Thank that's, you. that's your next screenplay right there. I know, right? Oh, God. And and I'm not going to get into it here, but that year that we got in the top 50, people were trying to sue us. People were trying to sabotage us in those competitions that we placed, saying that we plagiarized. Wow. An agent told us that like we need to move to Florida because we'll never make it and biopics never sell. It was a crazy year and we almost quit screenwriting then, but luckily it's all worked out. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Hey, Thanks. So, I mean, it seems writing kind of has always been part of your life, if, if not at the forefront. What would you say were your kind of major inspirations behind writing? Who really kind of, who do you want to be? What level do you see yourself at? Oh my God, I'll never be good. <laughs> um, but ooh, <laughs> my sister and I love anime. So ever since we were like, as much as I remember, like Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, Yu Yu Hakusho, um, we're, we've currently been re-obsessed with a show called Fruits Basket. The character work in that is like some of the best I'll ever see. So honestly, like anime has really influenced our writing. And, and a lot of people that have read our Van Gogh script, they're like, this feels really modern. 
um, there's like humor in it and it's not stuffy and, and the description feels light. And I feel like anime humor really <laughs> helps our writing not feel stuffy. <laughs> so I had no idea you and your sister went to London. No idea when I, when I composed this question. Zip. You have to sing with Lisa in front of the Queen of England. What do you sing? <laughs> okay, really quick. I love this question because the only other time I've been to London was in 2017. So 2014 was the Van Gogh stuff. 2017 was when I went with my entire family. And we saw the Queen of England. We saw her drive in. And we're like, what? Nice. It just so happens we were there. So that's funny that you, you asked this question. What do we sing? My God. The correct answer is God Save the Queen, by the okay. way. Okay, there it is. <laughs> Isn't there a punk version of God Save? There oh is. My God. The Sex Pistols did one. You could do that. Okay, one. Yeah. yeah. Let's just yeah, say that's Pistols. what it is. <laughs> so, what inner struggles would you like to see the characters go through? And this is a repeat of the question I answered, but I want to hear your answer. So, I think Joss deals with identity so well. That's why I can't hate Age of Ultron. Honestly, um, so much of his work to me is about the little people fighting the big corporation and like, what does that do to them? And who are they as people? And can they keep who they are while doing that? And I think Age of Ultron was his <laughs> message to Marvel at the time, honestly. I, I feel like when he was directing all those actors, especially James Spader saying certain lines, he was like, this is me speaking through you. Um, so I just love that theme with Joss. I feel like season five of Angel is a perfect example of that as well. It's all over Buffy, obviously all over Firefly and Dollhouse. So I personally, I know he's done it a million times, but he does it great. So I personally would love to see those characters struggle with identity and them trying to kind of make the world more righteous and not have it be just about the rich elitist people a very very poignant battle there <laughs> yeah okay this is gonna be a fun question uh with the understanding that all Whedonverse characters have their place which one would you most likely shoot out of a cannon i'm gonna go ahead and get mine out of the way connor get him out of yep. here i hate that guy okay yep yeah I don't even have anything. I don't have anything to, to expound on either. Everyone knows. <laughs> you don't need to. It's fine. I mean, and right? All due respect to Carthizer because mm. he's an amazing oh, actor. Yeah, he's great. But I wanted to slap the taste out of that kid's mouth half the time. Just drove me crazy. Drove me. Like, you are the most annoying thing on the planet. <sighs> like, I literally watched season four and just roll my eyes every time he's on screen. All right, Tig. Uh, okay, I, I think I mentioned this before in our Psychics episode, and but I've got to say, as much as I like him, I could quite happily shoot ours out of a cannon. It's like he's really, <laughs> really? Fu- he's really funny. Really? Yeah, he's like he's he's a funny. I think I love Seth Green. Nothing, nothing against Seth I Green. I do too. He's brilliant, and he did sort of perform a role within Buffy, but he was very much just the guy that Willow dates before she meets her actual partner. And it's like, yep. he had a lot of potential, but they didn't really, like, he he was one of the least actualized characters, possibly in the Whedonverse. And it feels like, while they do all have their place and etc., you could probably either take him out or just drastically reduce his part, and the overall show wouldn't change a huge amount. That's why Seth Green left, by the way. Really? That's why Seth Green left Buffy. And he's talked about it, that he wanted more out of his role. He didn't want to be a supporting character. He loved working for Joss, but 
the way Joss's storylines are already written in his head, he was like, Oz's character wasn't going anywhere. So um, he he bowed out and went to do his own thing. And I think right after that, Robot Chicken came to life. So, you know, he kind of went behind the screens more. And he's apparently, and Gina, you may know better, he's apparently a really great guy. Like, Seth Green is a good person. Um, okay, my one character, and I've said this before, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are you apologizing to? Tyg. Oh, okay. Cordelia and Angel. I'm sorry. Both of them? No. <laughs> this is the exact conversation we had last time. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. Sorry, Cordelia in the show, Angel. <laughs> um, I love the great stuff about her arc, but there's so much, and it's not her fault. There's so many things that the writers just didn't do well not her fault it's kind of funny it does seem like both my pick and gina's were picked not because the actor was bad or because the character was bad but because the writing let them down yeah yeah well and you know it's making the rounds again about um charisma's charisma's mm. story on the show but i mean yeah i think um i think very possibly during that whole fiasco her her writing suffered tremendously yeah yeah because season season four was not good there were high points but season four was not good and charisma's charisma's part was not good all right uh next fun trolley trolley question um <laughs> this is gonna be interesting trolley on the trolley, trolley. let's get yeah, trolley, trolley on the trolley. trolley who would you date marry and get busy with in the weed verse? i'm assuming <laughs> So this question, this question was meant to be one thing, not like one, two, three, oh, but you oh, can oh, treat cool. it however you want. I would, I would date Mary, blah, blah, whatever, Riley. I love Riley. Wow. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I, for a long time, thought Mark Lucas would make a make great Captain America. Yep, not that. That, sure. not that Chris Evans does, doesn't, because he's amazing, but Lucas, like, also has that whole earnest, blonde, blue-eyed, superhero thing going on and yeah towards the end of um his arc poor mark lucas cause everyone hated him and i always felt so bad for him like the the vitriol spewed at riley the character was awful um but he, at the end of the day I'm, i he would have been a stand-up guy great husband mm. thirst for days right oh, yeah, Hello. Yeah. i know and look i i always look at every character with the benefit of a doubt and like Riley's realistic. I'm sorry. I I dated guys like that in college. Like, sorry. Yeah. So, like, if you hate him, you hate people. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, yeah. rewatching Buffy through this uh, this year and a bit of last year has given me. And there's a few characters that have absolutely changed in their rankings. Oz dropped right to the floor, and Riley is one that just absolutely shot up the rankings. I think he was, yeah, he was a great guy. He's just a good person. He just wasn't right for Buffy at the time they met. I think if they had met later on, like kind of in sort of in the comic type era or just after she'd settled down, they could have gone the distance. But at the time he met her, she just wasn't in the right place to be dating a kind of normal person. So and neither was he. He couldn't. He couldn't handle it. Oh, I don't right. know. I, I don't. If she retired or something, they'd be good together. Right, right. But, but she needed the danger, and he couldn't. He couldn't handle the the competition. Frankly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he was a good person. But you're right, Tyg. They together did not work. I don't think it would have ever worked. Yeah, they were actually uh, that that put a little bit too much of the kind of the pressure on Bobby. They weren't right for each other. Like it was a very much right. a mutual thing. They were just they were both in the wrong place for each other at that time that they met. I mean, it's that old cliche that you can love somebody and not like them. Exactly. Yeah. 
And again, realistic. I love that Buffy went through that. Not every relationship yeah. is yeah. going to be like Angel in so many ways. But <laughs> if you look at all her other relationships, he was the most stable, normal relationship totally. that yeah. she, she had until he went downhill. So I love Riley. I think he's great. And I would I would love to get Blucas on this show. Hear that, Matt? Yeah. I know he's done some other podcasts. Do it. Uh, what about you, Tyke? <laughs> this one's tricky, but I think in the end it would have to be Fred. Because I love her accent so much, just so so much, <laughs> and um, I just think we'd we'd sort of, we'd, we'd do quite well as just sort of making weird nerdy machines and talking about science. And again, she's normal. She's a normal person. Yeah, there's no kind of and, mad. Well, until season five, there's no kind of magical hang-ups or anything, right? Gina? Um, okay, I'm a Buffy <laughs> Angel girl, so my answer is going to be Angel. If if Aww. if. The curse is broken. You can so, use the uh, magical prophylactic they got for Grusalug in season three. There you go. I didn't want Angel with anyone else besides Buffy because he was still cursed. So that, like, in my opinion, that means he can't have, like, a meaningful relationship. That's why I don't like Cordy and Angel that much. But if the curse was broken, he could be with me. Or Buffy. <laughs> or we could all be together. <laughs> okay. okay. And now for something completely different. Which do you prefer? Cats. <laughs> Or dogs. Yep, 100% cats. cats. Dogs are gross and they're too needy. I can't, like, I, I cannot have boyfriends or dogs <laughs> in my face 24-7. It's like, I need my space. Lump those two together. Fair enough. Go that way. I cannot take you for a walk at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, don't eat my shoes. I, I no, no dogs. <laughs> I definitely feel that. I had a cat, best thing ever. But my parents have a dog and he's so cute. So I... I'll go with both. Oh, they are cute. I just don't want one. I, I want to pet someone else's dog and then go and then go away and snuggle my cats. <laughs> so tied cats or dogs? Cats. 100% cats. Yeah. All the way. I had two cats growing up and they were awesome. And uh, I kind of want to get another one, but I'm going to wait till the virus is over before I do that. Okay. You are buried in the Sunnydale graveyard. What was your, what does your tombstone say? I already have mine. <laughs> well, that's fatalistic. I know. Um, she sang and wrote a lot. Yay! <laughs> I see what that's you a did great there. play on that. Uh, so I it's that's a tough question for me because, um, you know, being as narcissistic as I am, I'd like to say, "Here lies the warrior of the people." Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> But I'm not Buffy's. And to be honest, I have said in my my living will, I do not want a grave at all. I am not to be buried. Wow. Burn me up. Throw me off the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina in the mountains. I don't want anywhere where people will come and cry over me not being in their lives anymore. Aww. I want people to remember me for being presently who I am. Like, I think, bur I think burying people's morbid. What a beautiful answer. No, I don't want to be buried. <laughs> but but then but then I went back and said, well, if I had to have something for Buffy on there, I would say be brave, live for me. Oh, that's <laughs> oh a my Jesus. God. That's like three great answers. Well, how, the, how the hell do I follow that? I heard, I don't know if this actually is a thing or not, but I heard there was a service where they would basically kind of just ball you up into a sack with an acorn and then bury you in a forest and a tree would grow out like fueled by you. That would be amazing. I want that, but I would want that tree to be taken to like the middle of the most inaccessible forest in the world and buried where no one will ever be able to come and bother me and just be, Ty, a, be a tree. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. Tying's a curmudgeon. Okay. Who do you guys want to interview the most for the show, excluding the obvious Joss Whedon? Who's going first? I'll jump in because I had a bunch of really kind of serious and deep answers. I thought, you know what? No. Number one person. I want to interview Nick Frost because he's a legend and I really want to meet him. Yeah, that's a good answer. I want to do Olivia Williams. (laughs) Who do you want to interview? Um, because I'm a fan of hers anyway, even before she was on Dollhouse, um, I would love to get her. I already said I'd love to get Lucas just cause, and, um, Sarah, of course, because Sarah's so inaccessible, right? Sarah does not do a lot of interviews. Um, I would love to get Sarah on to talk about Buffy. It'll never, ever happen, but she's the sweetest person. I told her how much, like, I love Buffy and how I'm showing it to my friend and she literally kissed me on my head. Sarah kissed you on the head? I am jealous. Yes. <laughs> I think we all are. I was like, where did and you then talk she walked to her? Away. At the Apple store? Oh, oh cool. I thought maybe you went to the Paley Center and talked to her or something when they did that retrospective. That's amazing. I was like, I'm blessed by the Slayer. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you have. And, 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 and she did that and walked away. That was like how she said goodbye. And I just stood there like, I, I'm not real anymore. You're chosen, Gina. She got all yeah. chosen Great answers. I would have uh, Juliet Landau. Nice. Just because Drusilla's my favorite. We're actually, we know each other in real life. We've talked a few times, but I would just love to actually interview her. She's Martin Landau's daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's legend, legendary family. There's a lot to talk about there. Okay, bit of a funny one. If you were arrested with no explanation, what would your friends and family assume you had done? I'm gonna go ahead and just jump on this one straight away. Absolutely say public intoxication. Because I cannot handle my alcohol. I just can't. Can't do it. Um there was one party I went to, it was my sister's housewoman. She'd just moved into her new flat and it was all nice and tidy, and I turned up there with a litre of honey Jack Daniels, and within forty five minutes it was gone. Within an hour I was violently sick everywhere uh, i cannot remember uh, the evening at all after the first hour and you and you ruined her apartment uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I kept it all quite localized it's fine <laughs> uh, i would get arrested for squaring up with people that were being <laughs> or squaring up with people at a protest mm. like my absolutely like we used to go to walker stalker con um which was the the big thing they the trade show they did around Walker Stalker and all the stars would come and it was always chaos. It was very poorly managed. And there was, um, there was this one girl that was abusing the staff and and I told her to shut the hell up. And she tried to square up with me and Jackie literally had to grab me and drag me off. Like, (laughs) and the staff was like, they were like, just go inside. Like I, they passed me through the line to, to go inside (laughs) and see, because I was like, I don't know who you think you are, but blah, blah, blah. But yeah, when I was younger in college, I was always, I always got dragged off, like, <laughs> my dark side. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Man, you guys have such cool answers. Mine's so lame. It's just everyone knows I'm like a goody two-shoes, so my friends and family would probably think <laughs> my driver's license got <laughs> expired and the cops pulled me over, or... <laughs> well, they wouldn't arrest you for that. That's probably a good thing, to be fair. <laughs> right? Like, don't get arrested. It's not good. 
Okay, I, I'll say something close to Heather then. I, I, um, when Lisa and I have gone to conventions like Comic Con, yeah, you know how it gets. Yeah, like s- crazy stuff happens, and people are so rude. And like my my sister especially would definitely, <laughs> yeah, step. I feel like step to me. <laughs> hey, this is Precious. I just want to say congratulations to everyone over there at the Nervous Podcast. Y'all are doing an excellent job, and I am so looking forward to see what you got in store for us for the future. Happy anniversary. All right. Two more questions for the group. How do you like your eggs? Defend your position. Sunny side up. It's it's so cheerful. And you can put toast in it. They're graphically pleasing. They're like yellow and white and they're happy looking and says the graphic artist. Everything. (laughs) That's why I'm a Mac person. Everything has to have design sense to me. That's why I have a bug. I have a VW bug. It's powder blue. Nice. Nice. Um, But yeah. Um, Back when my stomach was a normal person's stomach, uh, when I could have eggs, I love boiled eggs Mm. and just put a little bit of salt. Oh yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Now I can't have it anymore, but it's great. What about you, Tony? Uh, scrambled on toast with lots of cheese and hot sauce. Do you know? Do you know Josh, my partner? He puts ketchup on his scrambled eggs, and it hurts me. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I'm sorry. Yeah, I it's used okay. to do it with ketchup until I discovered sriracha, and now I choose sriracha instead. Sriracha is acceptable. Ketchup is not. I have had it with um, breakfast burritos, which is somewhat similar, and is. Uh, uh, I, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm going to draw a line in the sand here and say Americans do not know how to scramble eggs. I'm sorry. It, it, it just comes out all all dry and like sheets. It's just wrong. You need your, scrambled eggs should be like liquid. It should, it should, you, pour, you should be able to pour it onto your toast and it like spreads. It shouldn't be a solid mass. Yeah. Look up French. Look up Gordon Ramsay's like French style scrambled eggs. And they are absolutely perfect on toast cheese hot sauce remind me not to have you make me extra gross <laughs> all right when we come over tyke you're gonna cook that for us and then you'll change your mind i've done it yep. before yes yep when we're doing the tour on our way to germany exactly. yes <laughs> all right um who's got tattoos and what are they up my first tattoo was nice yeah, i don't know if you guys could see it the, uh, is that anyway, the it's like an egyptian Yes, the eye of Horus. It means protection. There's a heart in the middle of the eyes, so I believe in like love, Aww. love everyone. And then the and then the little teardrop you probably can't see it is a music note for music. Yay. Um, that was my first one, and then the other ones I'll go by really quickly. Um, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance signed my arm, but instead of signing it, he wrote "Sing It" because that's one of my favorite My Chem songs. Sing it for the world. Um, and then Nate Roos from the band Fun. Nice. He wrote "Be Calm" on my hand. So it's cool. I have Gerard Way and Nate Roos's handwriting on me forever. Um, I have a little Harry Potter with a lightning scar little symbol. Um, I just got a Fruits Basket tattoo Wait. a few days ago. Wow. Awesome. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I need to post a picture of these on Twitter or something. Um, I have the Georgie boat with a little red balloon trailing from it. Wow. R.I.P. Georgie. <laughs> I have a heart, and in the heart it says Jedi Sith, and there's two lightsabers going across it. So it's Kylo's lightsaber, and then Anakin slash Luke slash Rey's. And then I have the Rebellion symbol. I have 2B typewritten, and Thor's hammer. Yes. Oh, and duh, I'm missing the 
best one. I have the um, Angels Investigation logo with a spike going through its heart. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Nice. I have a lot. I I'm sorry. It. I have a lot. I had no idea. <laughs> I knew you had some, but I didn't know how many. Freaking inked. How about you guys? Ty? Nope. No ink. None? No ink, no piercings. I'm very boring. I do want to get one kind of in the same place that you've got your Eye of Horror, just on, on the inside of the wrist there. But it's like... I want a design that I know I'm going to always, like, the kind of the mean something and I'm always going to enjoy. So if, if I actually can settle on a design, I'll have it there on the inside of my right wrist. But until then, no, I am uninked. Um, I have three. I didn't get my first one until I was almost 40. Um, cool. Uh, my first tattoo was the Buffy Bee. It's on Wait. my left shoulder. And I'm still glad 13 years later that I have it. Um, Josh, uh, Josh got one. We got inked at the same time. So then on this side, if I don't know if you guys know who David Mack is, he created a property called Kabuki. Um, he also has done uh, a lot of work with a lot of Joe Casada and a lot of comic book writers. He did the title work. He's also um, a really uh, good writer, but he's also an artist. He did all the title work for Captain America, but Kabuki was his first creation. So I have his original Kabuki from the first blood circle of blood um, comic book on this side with her size and her, her Japanese bodysuit. Nice. Because he's, cool. he's an amazing, amazing artist and the way his style has evolved from just pen and ink to all this multimedia watercolor and found objects that he uses is just astonishing and finally um i have the third one is um there's a book called the handmaid's tale and i'm sure you guys know what it is now because of the tv show but i read it in high school in 1987 it was by margaret atwood um it was during um i want to say right after the reagan administration when things started going downhill for women's rights and the religious right was you know moral majority and all that stuff was starting to rear its ugly head and i was like it was high fantasy then, and I, and I marvel over the years how much closer we've gotten, like scarily closer to the vision that was almost like it, Margaret Atwood is a prophet. Um, and when Trump got elected, I was like, I have to do something I, with this rage and fear and anguish I have over this election. And there's um, a, a phrase of Latin that one of the handmaids writes in a closet before she kills herself. And it's this little tiny, to me, act of rebellion because it's all she can do because every aspect of their lives is controlled. And um, this is before the TV show came out. And I always meant to get this, but I did it when Trump got elected. It's, that, um, it's Latin for don't let the bastards get you down. And I went straight to my... Um, my tattoo artist, Cole, and was like, put this on me now. And he did it in uh, traditional tattoo type. Like, it's just the phrase, and it's on my it's on my calf. And and so that's that's the last one I'm, I've got. And I've got, I want, I've got three more in the hopper right now, but I'm not getting <laughs> any, I'm not going near anybody with a needle until this crisis is over with the, with COVID. But I'm, my newest, my newest one that's been added is I'm going to get a Hamilton tattoo. <laughs> hell yeah. All right. So this next section is favorite moments from the Nevers podcast. We've, we've previously, Tyke and I have talked about this um, before, but we could definitely bring it up again. I'd love to hear Heather's thoughts as well. Um, so yeah, what have been like your favorite topics or episodes? Um, I know for me, I'll, I'll always say this. I'll probably always say this until the show comes out. My favorite was um, when we first got that cast list. Tyke and I hurriedly had to record a podcast and I I hadn't felt that excited in like forever about a new show. And 
we obviously couldn't plan the episode that much. We just had to do it. And we were just running off of like adrenaline and excitement. So that that will always be a highlight for me. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was going to say that same episode because it was just, I mean, not only getting it out with basically, like we had no script, no plan. We were just like, this is the cast. We need to talk about it now. Here's the cast, let's go. Yeah, and, like, and <laughs> like getting it out in less than 24 hours was just absolute spot on brilliant work from everyone involved yeah but i figured at least one of us would say that so i was thinking about what my favorite moment from the show is that isn't us nailing the casting announcement and actually it's a very recent one uh interviewing dennis o'hare i just thought he was such an amazing guy and so fun to, like brilliant to talk to he had so many great stories and like, i was i was a huge fan of his from true blood an American Horror Story, and like when I when I saw that he was going to be on the casting episode, when I saw he was going to be in this, I was so excited. And then to actually be able to speak to him and tell him how excited I was for the show, and for him to then tell us all this cool behind the scenes stuff, and somehow managed to make me even more excited than I was before. It was just, it was, yeah, very very special evening. I and mean, we've had some amazing interviews, and all the people interviewed have been brilliant. But that particular interview really. Just dialed my excitement up to 11 i think it's still patreon access right i love tamo's stuff that was another great interview oh he's so smart he's Mm. so so blown away by by his intellect like seriously i would have been in the floor like nervous like um my most embarrassing moment was really i i flipped out a little bit before we did helen so can you imagine me trying to talk to pinniket i'd be like Because I was I was super nervous before we started because that was our first major interview as well, so I was freaking out. But he is just so nice and so calm that you you can't be nervous around him because he's just so cool. I every time I spoke into the mic for Tower Pennicut, I was like, "Don't sound stupid. Don't say- don't say something wrong. He's listening to you right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know." And like it's funny because to me. I haven't even finished Dollhouse, so it's not like I've loved him for, like, ten years or something. I just... Uh, any, like, embarrassing moments from being on the podcast or any mess-ups or goofs or anything like that? I have two. The first one was actually... It, it wasn't a goof, it was it's kind of a mildly embarrassing moment. In the, It was in the Tamo interview. When I asked a question, like... I was asking about, about the BSG finale, and I was like, so do you understand exactly what happened there? He was kind of giving a really great answer because all his answers were brilliant. And he was like, I'm not sure what you disliked about the episode, but and I was like, oh, fuck, he completely <laughs> misread the question. And I really, I was like, no, no, I loved the episode. It was brilliant. It was just confusing. <laughs> no, wait, He's like, wait, wait. Please, please don't hate me, Hilo. I've seen what happens to people you don't like. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was a, I had to really kind of quickly clarify that statement. And the other one, which thankfully never made it to air, uh, it was, I can't remember, it was one of the episodes of, dollhouse awaken i can't remember exactly which one but i was reading the intro kind of spiel and i had to record the episode description three times because first i said the wrong episode number then i said the wrong episode title (laughs) and then i said the wrong date it was 2009 oh yeah it was february something 2019 wait no that's that was the year we were recording obviously not the year the freaking episode was released i don't know what the hell was going on with me that week but it was it was not a professional going so yeah that, those are my three most two most embarrassing <laughs> moments so far in fact 
you know, I think it did make it to air. I think Matt ended up putting it on the end of the episode as a little kind of a marque. Oh, it's like a outtake? Yeah. Embarrassing moments for me every time I talked in front of Timo Pennicat <laughs> and Dennis O'Hare. Um, and, and look, this happens to everyone, but every time I'm like trying to say a point and then I just can't say the right mm. words. Yeah. So you just kind of say a sentence that you hope everyone is understanding what you're saying. Um, that happens a lot. So <laughs> I get really frustrated with like, sometimes I drop a word. I know the word I want, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. So I, my only thing was I, Tyga and I did, uh, did the interview with the historian. And I, when I started out, I was just, I was nerves and I just, I completely punted the f- intro like twice, I think. And I was finally like, I've got nerves. And, Matt was like, when he listened to it, he was like, you have nerves? I didn't know you had nerves. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I have nerves. I also have a good editor. I know, performers? Well, I always, I, even now, even now when I start a podcast, I have a little bit of stage fright. It's just me. Oh, yeah. Like when I used to act, that's how you amped yourself up, right? You have to have that nervous energy to go out there and channel it, right? So I was- People are surprised when like performers still really get nervous. Oh. Maybe even more nervous than- Non-performers yeah, sometimes, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm not halfway nauseous before I go on stage, it's... <laughs> especially when if I had to sing, right, Gina? Because singing's oh. like... <laughs> to me, it's lyrics. I'm terrified mm-hmm. I'm going to mess up the mm-hmm. lyrics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, the, the notes, not so much. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing, but lyrics, oof. All right. Favorite season from the Whedonverse? Uh, uh, pick one series and... Uh, explain why it's your favorite season. Uh, the, your play, explain your favorite season from it. Gina? I say this every time. Season five of Angel. Um, whenever anyone is hesitant about starting Angel, I'm always like, this show isn't perfect, but if you want to see like some of the best writing that you'll ever see, ever, ever, that is so consistent. Every single episode, even filler ones, are like mind-blowing. W- watch Angel. Watch Angel. You won't regret it. When you get to the end of Angel, you'll be like, thank you for telling me to watch it. I, I A lot of Buffy writers came on on season five. Um, obviously, everyone could put their attention to Angel because Buffy wasn't on anymore. Um, I know I love Spike, so I sound biased, but... I love Spike, Spike Girl. The- Don't apologize for that. <laughs> Spike was the best foil for Angel, and I think that brought out... That brought out Angel's character, I think, more better than in any other season of that show um because it's it's someone else right that has a soul like angel's whole thing is like oh i have a soul like pity me but here comes spike he has one too but he's different and he's not like you and and just what that did to like a main character of a show is like fascinating and then the writing's amazing and then the fact oh god i can talk about this forever the fact that they took over wolfram and Hart, like I've never seen anything where the heroes of the show are literally almost turned into the big bad of a show. Right. And that's the season. The, the questions and, that asked were amazing. Right. And every episode and every character's arc and, and what being in Wolfram and Hart did to them. Like, I love gun storyline. Um, Fred was trying to be positive and trying to make good of everything that they had. I mean, everyone. Oh, my God. Oh, and then like Wesley and just... Uh, so season five of Angel, watch Angel just for that. Yep. Go ahead. 
<laughs> so this is this is I'm, I'm gonna rip this off a conversation i had with matt who asked me who my favorite season was and i shocked the hell out of him buffy season Ooh. six really yes yeah yes. so one of the hot take i know i come off as like a really kind of chipper and kind of positive person but i am a fan of dark stories and complication and redemption and despair and one of the reasons i loved six was the the darkness of it the buffy coming to grips with being the savior and her sexuality and and growing up and how everything wasn't simple anymore and you know, that's what her death was really about. Like it was to, you know, in, on, on a topical scale, it was to leave Buffy with season five with, uh, you know, season five is to me is the perfect season. And that would have ended the, the show if they hadn't been picked up and it would have been fine. But to bring her back and talk about how she was in heaven. Oh, her friends got her out of heaven. That is just mortally wounding. Can you imagine? The themes it explores, the the Willow uh, being so arrogant about her intelligence and her power, which I so identify with because, you know. And then then the, the, the kind of incel storyline with Warren. So, so yeah, so, it you know, it talked about these themes of self-destruction and redemption and getting over your the pain of your past and becoming an adult and taking that experience and allowing it to work for you by the end right um and of course it was about the the power of friendship the power of people that love you to save you um was it a perfect season no it was clearly clearly uneven wildly uneven but the shows that hit on it hit hard plus i i'm a spuffy person so (laughs) smashed bring it bring it i was like yeah (laughs) about time my sister um, I don't know if you've ever heard this, Heather, but the one thing my twin sister and I will always argue about is Bangel versus Buffy. And if you get us talking about it, maybe we should do a podcast episode. Break our on. <sighs> I am. It I gets am, I am. heated. I am 100% there for that. We have to have After, her on for it and set the two yeah, against each other. It'll be amazing. After. I will always 100% say my biggest talking point is Angel had a soul forced on him. Spike went and got his for Buffy. Yep. Ugh. I was actually, I was going to bring that up earlier when you were talking about uh, season five and Spike turning out with a soul. It's like, I think part of the reason that got to Angel so much is, is just for exactly what Heather just said. Like, he's always talking about this, this curse that's bestowed him with a soul. And Spike's like, I just went and got one. Bothered, deal with it. I loved their connection in one and two. And I, you know, and I was heartbroken when he left. I kind of thought he was a jerk for doing it, but they were spinning off the show. So, but when, when, when Spike, I, I remember I had had ankle surgery and Buffy was what I watched when I had ankle surgery. And, um, I got through one, two and three. I, they're good seasons. One, you know, it was a throwaway season to me, but you know, it has some strong episodes. I loved the pack. I thought the pack oh. was an amazing episode. Uh, I've never seen range from Nikki before or after that, like he had in that, yeah. in that show. But by the, t- by the end of season four, and I know a lot of people didn't like season four, but when they started really getting into Buffy's power and the origin of it, I literally watched the last three seasons in like, however long it takes to get through the last three <laughs> seasons time-wise, because I just could not stop. I have never tore, until now with Hamilton, I've never torn anything apart <laughs> so voraciously like I did Buffy. Like, it just en- engulfed me. And season six, just holy crap. 
holy crap, it's so philosophically and existentially is just my favorite. Just my favorite. So I feel like Angel having a soul, so knowing that that's a thing, helps Spike even think of the idea of getting one. Number one. Number two, Angel is loves Buffy so much that he knew the best decision for her was for him to leave. And that's also true love. Because yep. that must have been really yep. hard for him. But yes, season six is also when I've rewatched the show recently. I'm like, holy crap. This is now my second favorite season. It's amazing. So, love it. Yeah, and, and I want to spend a whole... Uh, I love the trio so much, like weirdly too yes. much. Yeah, they're, um, they're so, but they're so strong as the big bad. They're so strong. They're so strong. And like Warren is such an underrated character in the sense of obviously, please hate him. He's awful. But I love that he's awful. He's supposed I to be awful. It. And Joss, we, Joss was talking about incel problems before it had a name. Ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. Guys, like, I'm, I'm going to be so honest really quick. When I first watched it back in um, 2011, I was like, I turned to my friend Josh, who showed my sister and I Buffy. I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand Warren and like the trio. Like what? Because in my head, I was like, this is what every guy is like. <laughs> I didn't wow. see the problem. But now rewatching it, I'm like, holy crap. These are the people that hated Star Wars The Last Jedi. This is, mm-hmm. you know, the incels. I get it. It's just so ahead of its time. And I think Adam Bush is like amazing. Oh, yeah. The, the emotional depths and like he obviously had to shut off his brain and not judge yeah, Warren and just like hundred percent not Warren, right? Yeah, he's like the complete opposite. So like, kudos to you, Adam Bush. Like, whew. anyway, we should have a whole podcast on season six. We should. Uh, Matt and I were talking about me writing the defense blog of season six, but maybe we should just do a show. Do it, yeah. I was gonna say I, I rewatched all of the series through, and I, I talked about it a bit on the uh, on the VIP Patreon groups. So if you want to hear my ramblings, they're mostly on there. Season six is definitely the season that went up the most in my estimations on during the rewatch. Like watching it kind of as a grown up, so to speak. When I watched it when it first aired, and I, I didn't quite realize just how kind of complex and toxic the trio were. Watching it again now in, you know, the era of social media being terrible to everyone all the time. Like, it, it adds a new layer that wasn't even there originally to, like, like, these are the people that are causing so many problems these days. And he, this was, you know, 10, 15 years back. It's insane. And actually, I'm quite glad you said season six was your favorite. I was trying to decide between two seasons. One was season six and the other was season two. So since you said season six uh, yes, and we discussed yes. it. Preach. Let's bring on season two. I That's love my favorite. season two. It's such a... Br- I feel a bit bad that we've picked two seasons from Buffy and one from Angel. Like, Dollhouse and Firefly are both brilliant. But, I mean, Buffy is some of his most well-realized Fire ha- Firefly had one season, so half we can kind of... That's a wash right there. Yeah. You can't even you can't even really pick it. It's only half a season. It can't right. be your favorite. But yeah, I, I love Buffy's season. There's so many brilliant scenes like you get to see the arrival of spike and spike becoming such a badass you get to see angel becoming angelus and just i'm sorry uh, angel is a great character and that's brilliant he's got a great arc but seriously you can tell david boreanaz is having so much fun when he's playing angelus especially um, when he comes back in angel spoiler warning for a 20 year old show but deal with it in the season where they're where they're trying to track down the mysterious horn demon guy and they bring angelus back and it's like he's just dripping with evil but you just 
you can't help but be like, yes, he is such a badass. I love him, but I hate him, but I love him. And that's never more evident than in season two. And you get to you have Jenny Callender, who's amazing, and I love Jenny Callender. Um, you have Giles being a badass. And then, like, it's just, there's so many brilliant scenes. There's funny scenes, there's emotional scenes, there's heartbreaking scenes. And, like, often in the same episode. Oh, yeah. And Two had me completely. And so there's, there's so many brilliant kind of, there's the one where it's him, uh, it's Giles, Buffy, and Miss Calendar. And they're talking about how he's lost his soul. And he's like, oh, the angel's song. That's impossible. He couldn't have lost his soul unless... And then he looks down at Buffy, who's just, like, staring at the floor crying. And then he kind of glances at Miss Calendar, who's like, oh, my God, Giles, shut up. And he's just right. like, right. Oh, oh. Oh, dear. oh, God. And it's like, oh, it's just... <laughs> so, and, I'm sorry, I'm actually kind of temporarily losing the ability to talk here. It's such a brilliant scene. Because everyone in it is just note perfect. Even though two of the characters yeah. aren't talking. The, when I saw Innocence for the first time, and just from the female perspective and the experience of how boys treat you once once they get what they want, or, uh, you know, or was it Innocence or was it the one after? I can't remember. Wherever she used, loses her virginity to Angel. And it was just like, this is such brilliant. This is such brilliant storytelling. Like, and no one had ever done anything like that at that point. No one was willing to talk about that experience that women, you know, girls especially, because we're so friggin' gullible at that age. You know what I mean? Ugh. Just, you know, I was like, I, I'm, I, I'm a fan for the rest of my life, you know, unless he starts sacrificing children in Times Square. <laughs> I'm a fan. It, whenever I think of Buffy, I think of the later seasons because of how complicated the writing gets, but season two is the core of what the show is, always. Oh, it's the springboard, absolutely. The vampires are the main villains, which, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Um, Angelus, I still think, is, like, easily in the top three best TV villains of all time, you know? Um, And yeah, season two is also my Buffy, my favorite Buffy season, so... I couldn't agree more. And then there's a thing which I'd actually forgot. I, I, I thought I'd forgotten, but I'm now starting to think my mind had just tried to save me by blanking it out. I always remembered that that big final fight, you know, they're, they're fighting and Angelus is being Angelus and kind of kicking her ass and being hilarious. The sword. And then you see, I, I, the way I remembered it, and this is how it was in my head for like 15 years, they're fighting, the portal starts to open, Buffy stabs him, he becomes Angel again and falls through the portal. That's not what happens. They're, nope. fi- they're fighting. He becomes Angel. It's all good. Everything's great. They hug it out. It's going to be good. Portal opens. She looks him in the face, knowing that this is Angel and not Angelus. The big bad has died. He is gone. And then, knowing full well what's happening, she runs him through and kicks him through a portal into hell. That is brutal. And I fucking loved every second of it. (laughs) It was just perfect and horrible. And then the credits roll and the zombie comes out. I need a hug. And he's crying. We all do, man. <laughs> we all do. I, 
I literally was laying in the, you know, cause my, I couldn't walk because my ankle had been, and I was laying in the bed like, <laughs> circling back to season six and season seven and some of the, and five, which got pretty dark. Um, I, I have seen a clear division between the fandom, the fandom that loves the first three seasons, uh, because they're kind of light and airy. They're not as complicated. They're not nearly as dark. Although I could argue two gets pretty damn Season dark. Season two right? gets freaking So horrific. I remember yeah. when it started dividing out to, um, you know, when I was going through the show and I noticed people were like, well, everything went to hell after season three. And I could not agree, disagree more. Right. And I'm like, you're just in love with, you know, with Span- with Buffy and Angel and this kind of high school setting. And the show was ne- could not stay there any longer. It had to progress. Right. I mean, I think it would, like, as much as when I think Buffy, I think Sunnydale High, Library, you know, Buffy, Willow, Xander, occasionally Cordelia, and Giles sitting around a table fighting ghosts and monsters. Yeah, that is kind of what I picture in my head when I think of Buffy. But we could not have had, you know, five to seven seasons of that. It wouldn't have worked. The show had to grow in order to kind of remain relevant and you may not like that it did that but you have to acknowledge that it needed to happen or i do still maintain it could it could have ended it after season five and been okay but i do love season six yeah so yep and we all could have done without kennedy and i love you guys for loving season six because <laughs> there are a lot of people that are like eh, i hated season six including sarah until last week or last year i would have agreed with them but re-watching it now as an adult i think that it just it hits a little differently. And and maybe that's it. Maybe it's because I saw it so much later. I was I was I was mid thirties when I when I finally saw the Buffy the series. So Okay, we've we've gone grand scale. We've talked about our favorite seasons. Now let's narrow it down a little further. This may be a little tricky, but what are your top three favorite single episodes from the Whedonverse? Now, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take the lead here because I really had to think about this because there are some absolutely outstanding episodes. Say what say what you said earlier, though, Ty, I, about how you picked your stuff. I was literally just about to. Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to step <laughs> like, on. I mean, I, I hope I don't steal any, spoil any of your pick by saying this, but as a general rule, if you ask anyone up to and including IMDb, what are the three best Joss Whedon episodes? You get the body, once more with feeling, hush. Mm-hmm. That's great. I yep. love those episodes, but saying they're your favorite episode is sort of like saying Breaking Bad is your favorite TV show. You don't, like, you don't need to clarify it. You don't need to explain it. Everyone acknowledges that's a fantastic episode. So what I thought I'd do is look for three episodes from three different Whedonverse series that maybe don't get mentioned quite as often as those three do. Although saying that's, at least two of these episodes do get a lot of love because they're fantastic episodes. That's why I'm picking them. In third place, an episode we're going to have to watch quite soon that's going to hurt, from Dollhouse, Epitaph Part 2, The Return. As I mentioned this before when we were talking about our favourite episodes in the Dollhouse breakdown, I both love and hate this episode. It's just... It's such a brilliant episode. It concludes the story of the dollhouse so brilliantly. And I love where they take the show. But at the same time, 
it kind of just feels like this is what you could have had. It's like we're we're at we're at stage ten of the journey, and we saw stage one and two with season one and two. When we're missing like the three seasons that Joss had plans to give us before we reach this point. It's a brilliant episode, but like we see these arcs at the end, and it's like, well, I want to see the middle of this arc. Like I love like, there's certain part I won't go too 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 deep into details. I don't want to give any spoilers, but certain characters and where they end up. Anyone that's seen that episode will know. There's some amazing character moments and some really beautiful interactions that yeah you know, they really affect the viewer. But I have to think they would have been absolute gut punches if we'd been every step of the way up to that conclusion. And I love it. I love it for what it could have been rather than for what it is. So that's my third place. Uh, Gina, do you want to jump in and say your third place episode? Because I can see you bouncing in your chair. So my third place, I'm sorry, this is a two-parter. I'm not going to, I'm just going to pretend it's the same episode. We briefly just talked about it. Um, Surprise and Innocence. Yes. Perfect, 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 perfect. And look, like with the season two discussion, um, Buffy, like, at its core, kind of like Spider-Man, obviously Spider-Man grows out of, like, high school and stuff, but, like, Buffy at its core is, like, high school is hell. Vampires are the villain, and again, that's why I think season two is, like, what the show is. Doesn't mean it can't go beyond that, but I think it's the perfect example. If someone was like, if I can only watch one season of Buffy, what is it? Obviously season two. Um, But Surprise and Innocence, every time I show innocence to someone and they're sitting next to me my heart is pounding because i'm like what are they thinking <laughs> like angel just left the bed that he was with buffy right he goes outside oh my god and then he like oh <sighs> sorry that iconic shot of like angelus first coming onto the screen oh yes it's a hell of an uh, intro. I have that whole show memorized by, <laughs> by shot, by dialogue, by who directed exactly. it and wrote it. I mean, y'all, <laughs> I am crazy. And, and like, <laughs> and like, honestly, Drusilla's Angel and Spike are my three favorite characters because of season two. And like, Angelus first coming into where they are, the warehouse. <sighs> oh my God. So good. So that good. scene is so good. I, I'll just, I've always loved villains and I've always wanted to see like a villain couple, but to see like a villain love triangle, <laughs> I'm like, what is this show? It's, it's, anyway, surprise and innocence. So I did this a little bit different to keep my sanity. <laughs> um, I picked a show from each show that the big four. Uh, so that gives me four. Uh, and I'll skip Man on the Street because I have talked about it on the show before the Dollhouse episode. I have talked about it. I scolded you two and Kelly about it, you know, on one of the Awakens I was on. So I think it's established on in on this podcast that Man on the Street is amazing. Uh, so moving on to Firefly, uh, my my favorite episode on Firefly is um, Our Mrs. Reynolds. It's not. I think Out of Gas is the best episode, right? Constructively writing. Um, for, for the drama, but I, and we and we had Ty on to review that show, but our Mrs. Reynolds just fires on all eight pistons. It's so funny, it's so intriguing. Christina Hendricks just burns the house Duff. down in Saffron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 interplay between her and Anara, you know, you're yes. amazing. Who are you? Like such a great scene. Just 
the, the appalling lack of river is the the only problem with that. Mm. Um, but I just, I, I love, I can watch that again and again. Everybody there is on the very tippy tippy top of their toes on their A game. Kaylee's not in there much, but when she is, she's great. You know, Simon, uh, who's my favorite character, is just... Yay, Simon! (laughs) Um, And Mal. Mal just being... I mean, it really is the big dumb male episode. He is so... He's so confused and trying to do the right thing, but he's so... He's so um, pedestrian in his thinking that he can't and keeps stepping in the... Just keeps full-on stepping in the stupid hole and... Yeah, our Mrs. Reynolds. Excellent, excellent choice. In at number two, and probably coming as a surprise to absolutely no one, are you now, or have you ever been? Absolute classic of an episode. 1950s, Angel helps a woman who's hiding in a hotel, and just everything, It just it's a kind of a perfect case study in just the worst of humanity, although I would I would argue that the news is probably the biggest case study in the horrors of humanity right now. But you know, in of its era, it was just a perfect depiction of kind of how humans can often be worse than demons. And when we when we kind of give into our baser aspects, we can just do terrible things for the tiniest of reasons. I I love how current it is, Ty. It's such a great choice because of the mob rules sensibility in that. Yep, and, that one, and, yeah. you know, with, with everything that's going on right now, and you realize we keep we keep cycling through the same problems of human nature without being able to somehow figure it out and stop doing stupid, terrible stuff to each other. Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. It's a lesson we just haven't learned. Again, another two-parter, again, because season two of Buffy is my favorite. Um, Becoming part one and two, it's just the best. It's just the best. I don't have to say anything more. You guys know. Um, One one moment that I love from that is... um, So, I am beyond obsessed with Drusilla and Angel's relationship and past. I would... I would... I would kill for, like... I always hoped Drusilla, if there was a season six of Angel, I would, I always hoped Drusilla would come back as a big bad because I would love to see how Drusilla seeing both Angel and Spike have a soul and them dealing with their past with her would be the best thing of all time. Um, but, uh, in becoming, I think, oh my God, part two, I think, when it, where it starts with that flashback of Drusilla and she's like confessing. And it's Angelus. And then it goes and transitions from that innocent girl to Drusilla, like, walking. Oh, my God. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, it's just iconic. Oh, like, like, how is this, like, a season finale and we're still getting more about the big bads and their past? It's just, uh, just the best. So my uh, favorite episode of of angel is five by five uh i faith to me is such a fascinating character and there's um there's an anger and kick-assness from her that i was a lot like her in high school um and i understand that anger comes from not being able to admit what's happened to you to make you angry and at the end of it, when she falls apart over, you know, her, her past and her sins 
and in the rain and angels hugging her. And I swear to God, it was almost transcendent for me that, that, that scene. And I, five by five, uh, an angel and faith's relationship are one of my favorite favorite things in the in the Buffy verse because they understand each other from a core level that we were terrible selfish people and we have to pay for it but we're working on it and we can do this together another thing about 5 by 5 was faith knowing that she her way to deal with threat from men is to be sexual and to provoke them and she tried many times with Angel um who would not budge obviously because he loved Buffy um, but in the end, going to him for solace and, and, and there's this tremendous amount of physical contact and there's zero sexual tension, right? It was done so well. And now the number one spot, my favorite Whedon verse episode. And I'm, I'm going to guess there's going to be some shocked gasps at this. It is from Buffy. It's from season, it's from season six and it's selfless. No way! Yeah, <laughs> I am surprised. You know what? I watched. I watched, yeah. uh, and I'm jaded as hell. Ty, yeah. way to go! I watched <laughs> this. I've I, I mentioned it about ten times already this episode, but it's important. I'll keep mentioning it. I recently rewatched all of Buffy, and I rewatched season six, season six, and I got to this episode, and it's just a masterpiece. It just works across the board. For those who don't remember, because it's an incredibly forgettable episode, apparently, Selfless is, um, Anya is back as a vengeance demon, and she exacts vengeance on a group of students and just brutally murders them. It's properly horrific. And there's this kind of, I mean, it's, you know, probably not the best description, there's this kind of walk of shame moment where she's walking back from the dorm. And yeah, she looked, she's kind of wearing a big overcoat and looking a bit and like anyone seeing that would think, oh, someone's just had a, a bad night in a, a frat house. And then it's like, yeah, she did, but she murdered all of them, literally all of them. And so then the kind of the core of the episode is the Scoobies are like, okay, uh, yeah, she was our friend, a little bit more for Xander, but she did just murder like 12 people. Are we going to have to like address this and we're going to have to deal with her? And it all culminates in this amazing fight between uh Buffy and Anya where Anya does kind of kick ass it reminds us that you know she is pretty damn powerful when she's at her peak and she's friggin badass but there's just uh, Xander comes in first obviously because Xander always gets in the way and he's like Anya this isn't in, 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 this isn't an intervention Buffy's coming to kill you and Anya just looks back stone cold and goes no she's coming to try oh for a character that for basically the entire time she was in the show, was mostly just used as comedic relief, giving her this real, brutal, dramatic episode. It's it's such a shock, you don't expect it. And then there's the whole wedding arc that was just an absolute damp squib, and it's one of my least favourite arcs in the entirety of the Whedonverse. I don't like basically anything about how it was handled. But then giving her this, like, shining moment where she just gets to absolutely light up the screen. It's like, I kind of wish they did a bit more with Emma Caulfield because she was just outstanding in that episode. Like, with a sword sticking in her chest. Yeah. And then they flashed to the musical and I was just oh, like... Oh, yeah, of course. I, Thank you. I can, the, the best part and I forgot it. What is wrong with me? We We get... An extra, we get an extra song from Once More With Feeling. The forgotten song from everyone's favourite freaking episode. 
I actually retweeted the the lyrics because she sings about I'm Emanuela Christina Jenkins born on the 4th of July. So it was going around on Twitter yesterday. (laughs) Cool. All right. Mine's really predictable. I apologize. (laughs) When I first saw Destiny in season five of Angel, it felt like 13 seasons of this universe was leading up to Angel and Spike fighting each other. Not only fighting each other about their own destinies, but their past and their present and their future. Oh my God. That felt like fan fiction in the best possible way. (laughs) And again, I always wondered like, Ooh, when, when Spike first got turned, how was that like? How was that like with like Drusilla and Angelus? And I'm like, Oh, we'll never get that. That's fine. I could just fill in the gaps myself, but to see it 13 or like 12 seasons after season two of Buffy, and 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 we're still getting new information and that could still affect the plot and the story and these characters. Spike and Spike and Angelus in in that episode in those flashbacks at first. It's kind of like homoerotics. <laughs> oh, like, hell yeah. Ooh. That was that was Ew. that was super slashy, man. It was like Whoa, I'm about right. this. <laughs> and of course like Drusilla would love that. Um but just like my favorite part of season 2 of Buffy is that love triangle so to see it Oh my god, to see Spike seeing them. Whew, it was it was just it was a lot. And that's flashbacks. And then somehow that has to do with their current situation now. And then they both are in love with Buffy and it's just I don't think I'll ever see like a rivalry and relationship be that dense ever again. Just because we have so much of it, right? We know Angel and Spike as characters so much. And now they both have souls. And it's just... And that existential question at the end. Like, Gunn asked Angel, like, why are you so sad? Like, it was fake, right? But then, but the fact that, like, Spike finally beats Angel, mm-hmm. that's what kills him. And, oh, I can talk about it forever. I'm sorry. I'm biased. That's no, I mean. That is a fantastic... I, I, do, I do like to point out, just whenever I get the chance... That that is the only time that Angel and Spike fight when there's no ulterior motives, there's no outside influences on them. It is Angel and Spike, both there in control of themselves, going at it until there is only one left standing. And it's Spike. He wins. End of discussion. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I always loved the flashbacks with the with the gang to whatever timeline they were in. Because it really... It really fleshed out how long they were together and 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 can you imagine i'm i have so much history with my best friend that i've been best friends with for 20 years like can you imagine 200 118 whatever it is with spike like my god even if you're frenemies you know there's a bond there so fighting for the the prize like the highlander there can be <laughs> only one like man that's brilliant 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 uh, my favorite episode from Buffy uh, is Restless. Season four, uh, second season finale. 21 was the actual season finale of season four with Adam being vanquished. Mm. And then out of nowhere, 22, episode 22, was kind of this standalone episode dream sequence that spun off of the idea that calling the first Slayer had an effect on all these people that were involved in the ritual. And they all fell asleep after this big, you know, defeating the big bad. And these, these dream sequences between each of the characters exploited their, 
greatest fears, their, their paranoia and their, and their fears for them, you know, their insecurities. And it was just so well done. The realization of how dreams work, the way that people insert those insecurities into their subconscious, um, Willows to me was especially effective. Like she's back in her Sears clothes and everybody's laughing at her. And then she has to go on stage and, you know, then the whole stage things with, you know, them having the play and it's completely farcical. It's complete Dadaism nonsense, right? Like Riley's dressed up like a cowboy and Sarah's clearly doing lines from Death of a Salesman. <laughs> And Harmony's trying to bite Giles because she doesn't know her lines. And it, it, it's just, it's a masterpiece. And of course, you know, Nikki is, you know, having sexual fantasies about <laughs> everyone. Um, but also exploring that his greatest fear is to be locked in his parents' basement, his alcoholic parents' basement for the rest of his life. And, and, and then, you know, Buffy. Giles, of course, having the father figure thing with Buffy and trying to take care of her and having this whole segue with Spike getting famous in his crypt in black and white, having pictures taken, which, thirst alert, hot. Uh, <laughs> and, and then Buffy actually walking back out into the desert and, and having, the, you know, the dream quest and, and the Slayer talking to her. And, and I thought the ending of it was a tad weak where, you know, uh, the, uh, not that the Slayer, the first Slayer got them all at the end of each sequence, but that it was kind of a little trite at the end. But for 99% of that, I just sat there spellbound. Like, this is the greatest thing I will ever see. The 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 way it was written, the way it was constructed, the way that it was shot, the dialogue, the, what, the questions it asked, just mind-blowing. Great episode. Best episode of the Whedonverse. Period. Hands down. Boom. And there's so much foreshadowing, whether that's oh intentional or not. Like even the cowboy. Oh, it's absolutely intentional. Even the cowboy absolutely. Riley outfit, like Spike calls him a cowboy. Right. One of the small things, like when she puts her mud on her face and there's the thing about Dawn and Tara leading. Uh, uh. But when it's Adam back in his human form. And Riley, and they're sitting at the table like the world domination men they are. And they're like, we're men. We have to put names on everything, you know, and li calls her little lady. And it's just like, you know, and it's just such an encapsulation of, um, of corporate structure of male kind of, you know, important. Ugh. And Sarah in the sandbox where she tells in Nikki's in uh, Xander's dream that, you know, She's way ahead of him, big, big brother or whatever, and clearly dismissing him. And he's not important to the group because he doesn't have anything to offer. And it's just like, you know, and then he goes, Clyde's an ice cream cook. And, you know, <laughs> the girls are having a lesbian moment. And he's <laughs> all about it. I mean, it's just the exploitation of who they are. I know. I, I love how honest about Xander that is, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like he's, he's a pervert. <laughs> about everybody. Yeah. About everybody though. They're the right. ids of all these characters. And that's, uh, that comes up later in season six that they really get down, you know, scraping away everybody's baggage and the, and the mask that they have up at that restless really was the first time I thought that they really got into the natures of who these people are in their inner, inner lives. And the thing is, if it was any other writer-director, I'd be like, eh, it's just, it's coinky-dink. 
But we know yeah. how much Joss plans things out. I mean, the fact that, you know, he teases Dawn in the end of season three, I think it is. And in, he teases her in Restless, too. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote and directed this. You know, this was his, and it was because it was non sequitur for the season four that he really, you know, this was something he really wanted to do. Hello, this is Birgit, or Will, to everyone who can't roll their R's. I just wanted to record a quick message to Tig, the man with the golden voice, to Kelly the tireless researcher and essayist, to Gina, who knows the nuts and bolts of how a TV show is written, to Matthew, who never appears on the podcast himself, but who makes it all happen somehow. We will always remember Pancake It. To sometimes guests Jenny and Heather, and to the podcast friends, Tamo Pennicket, who got me to read Neuromancer this spring. Todd McIntosh and Dennis O'Hare. Thank you all so much for making this period of global lockdown somewhat bearable. Thank you for reading all my ridiculously long letters. Keep putting out good work. Hopefully, the Nevers will be here sooner rather than later. Until then, keep hopeful, try to remain joyous, and... um, Congratulations on your first year in business. You're fantastic. Okay. So, um, favorite characters, two from each series, and explain. Again, we could talk five hours about this. Um, favorite minor characters, favorite big bad, and which character is the most like you. So, I'll go first. Uh, so, for Buffy and Angel, I'll just combine them. Well, all right. So, for Buffy, I think it's uh, Spike and Angel. Unpredictable. Sorry. Andrew Sorry. Those are three. Um, for Angel, it's Angel, <laughs> um, Fred, and I love Wesley. Um, oh my god, Dollhouse! I don't know. I haven't seen all of it. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Paul. I love Melly. I love Echo. Ooh. Um, okay, for Firefly, Inara is my girl. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I think that's it for me. Um, and then favorite minor characters. I love the trio. I'm sorry. I know they're awful. I just love that dynamic. Um, favorite big bad, Angelus. But if I had to pick another one besides Angelus... No, I can't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which character is most like me? Maybe Kaylee. I was going to say that. You're smarter than... You're way smarter than Kaylee. But you you. are... You're kind of the soft touch like Kaylee is. Okay. I will give you that. There you go. Okay. You guys go... (laughs) Uh, so two from each series and, uh, from Buffy, of course, Spike and Buffy, um, because it's Buffy, uh, Angel, Wesley and Illyria with an honorable mention, uh, you know, Wesley to Illyria. Do you want me to lie to you? Um, uh, gun, especially for guns, flowers for Algernon storyline that you hit on earlier. Um, when, when he, when he got the smarts and then they started taking the smarts away and, the, the, what he had to do to get the smarts. Just amazing. Oh. Uh, Firefly, Simon and River. Um, I love their relationship. And, and I'm going to roll that into Serenity because the opening scene with her and him in Serenity. Oh, my God. Where he goes in and gets her out. Oh. <sighs> Sean Mayer is gay as hell, but he is hot. <laughs> and as Simon, he is just amazing. I wanted him to play... Um, a bill on True Blood. Ooh. I thought he would have been an amazing bill. 
Um, Dollhouse, uh, Adele, of course. Everybody knows how I feel about Adele, and I love Sierra. I think Sierra is an underrated character. Um, yeah, type. Oh, what about your minor characters and villains? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, villain, Glory. Glory all day, all night. Glory, glory, glory. And I met Claire, Claire Kramer, girl. So <laughs> she's super, super nice, right? She is nice. Um, and favorite minor character? Um, I love Jonathan and Andrew, obviously. I, uh, and I love Gwen from Angel. Ooh, yeah. Gwen was such a, such a superhero, right? man. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Uh, something, Alexa Davalos. She ended up being on Man in the Tall Castle. Yeah. She is hardcore love her kick ass i i wanted way more gwen i wanted gwen to be like angel's partner or something like gwen, not enough gwen mm-hmm. oh which character is most like you uh so it's a mashup of willow for her smarts and faith for her anger cool and her, her, yeah there's a potent combo there uh for me i've scrolled past it because i can't computer okay uh favorite characters from buffy shocker spike because we all say him because he's amazing. And Giles, yes. because I'm becoming him. Uh, from Angel, Fred, because she's my wife. And Cordelia, because if you ignore that last bit, she has an absolutely fantastic arc. Firefly, yeah. all yeah. of them don't make me pick. Dollhouse, uh, Topher, I just, he's so funny, I love him. And Alpha, who you haven't met yet, but you'll meet soon, and he's amazing. Oh, yeah. Favorite, yeah. favorite minor character. I'm not sure he entirely counts, but I'm going to say Badger anyway, because I love Badger. Badger counts, yeah. He's, he's not nearly as smart or powerful as he thinks he is, but because he's Mark Shepard, anytime he's on screen, he's amazing. Yeah, so, Mark yeah. Shepard's dope. Yeah, the absolute high king of nerddom. Uh, favorite big bad, repeating myself slightly, but I don't care, Alpha. I would probably say he's the, like, the, one of the best big bads they've ever had. And I just, I love him. He's... Oh, so good and he's yeah uh what character i'm most like i kind of see bits of myself in all of them but as i get older i'm definitely turning into giles so i'll do that but also i see quite <laughs> nice. a lot of myself in wash i just hope we don't have the same fate but you got a hot wife okay now we come to the last topic of the evening the future what are we moving to from this point. I mean, we've had our first year. We've wrapped it up pretty well, if I do say so myself. But what we're going to do for the next year and the hopefully two to four years after that. Uh, I would obviously love to just kind of, you know, keep doing what we're doing. We've, we've got great content, great podcasts, uh, Patreon-specific podcasts, and uh, blogs and editorials on the website i know matt has a number of great interviews he's looking to get us so i mean it'd be great for that and i would love to add more content on patreon i know once dollhouse finishes we're looking at possibly moving on to something else there i have two seasons i would like to put forth to that but i think our best route would be to post a twitter poll asking what our followers would like us to watch next and hear our thoughts on. I completely agree. And it's so cool that we're obviously Whedon fans, so we can never get rid of topics. Like, <laughs> this this podcast could go on forever, and mm. I think it will, so. Okay. Future episodes plan in, um, include um, one that uh, is underway because we have the, um, the interview is about Victoriana at the time that Nevers is being shot, roughly. Um, so we talk with a, a historian that... Um, 
knows that era very well. And that was a great interview. She was a lot of fun. And and just discuss how this era um, will play out effectively in the show and how realistic it is going to be, how the mores of the era are going to affect the morality and the storytelling. Uh, we've also talked about doing mu- music of the Whedonverse for score and songs. I brought the songs to the table because I have all the Buffy and Angel albums, and there's a lot of really great early bands in there now that are legendary that played the bronze and stuff like that. So I think that's something we can explore. And was it you, the tight that wrote the What to Watch While You Wait blog? Sort of. We all kind of had a bit of a hash at it. We, we all kind of, there's about three different things. He goes, I think there's, there's one about what to watch. Uh, well, what we've been watching while the pandemic has been taking over. I put up one about shows that are kind of very similar to the Whedon verse, but aren't, that you can watch to get your Whedon fix. And then I believe um, there was one more, but I can't remember exactly what it was about. So I think that's a show. Like, I think that's a show. And I told Matt that. So, uh, so I think we, that might be something that we look into. And then of course, as production, you know, as news starts coming out, we're going to start ramping up with what we think is going on. Ty's going to go prowl sets for us, hopefully. And I am. And, and, and let us not forget that although cons have been cancelled, San Diego Comic-Con has now said they will be doing an online presentation. So I would be very surprised if we didn't get at least something, something. from that. Yeah. When are upfronts, Gina? Do you know for the fall? I don't. I should know. But I don't. Because you start seeing stuff leak out in the fall upfronts for spring stuff. So maybe we might see something then too when HBO does their panel. But... Yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have a lot of great ideas. Um, I know you guys do too. And we also are looking at a lot of blog content for stuff that doesn't quite um, think pieces that don't really command uh, kind of a, a show format. Um, there's already a ton out there. You guys are great writers. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to moving, moving on with this show. How have I not written a blog yet? I need to get on that. I'm supposed you really to. Do. <laughs> You're the writer. Uh, also, I know. Also, um, we obviously look forward to continuing to interview actors and crew members. I love interviewing crew members, like getting the behind the scenes. Like, it's awesome. Um, and of course, the ultimate dream interviewing Joss Whedon himself. Um, my first Comic Con, I met him. I was surprisingly not nervous. Go figure. But if we interview him, I will be crying. So. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to speak like because I can't properly convey to this man and I won't go down this rabbit hole on the show how much his work has changed my life like from the core yeah okay I think that just about brings us to the ends of this quick podcast which is now two and a half hours long 250 it's pro- almost three hours long Jesus this was Fun as hell, though. This was so much fun. It was. was, It was. Like, closing thoughts. Yeah, I think people enjoy this is my closing thought. (laughs) Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah, do you have any closing thoughts, Gina? Yeah, I'm very honored to be a part of this podcast. I was honored when Matthew picked me, and I'm even more honored now. You guys are amazing and have quickly become my closest friends. And you have amazing opinions, and I love all of you, and I can't wait to continue doing this. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's like if you had sat me down sort of you know, a year and a day ago and said, you're going to do a podcast and you're going to be with all these amazing 
other hosts and you know, they'll in- interviewing freaking people that you've watched on TV since you were like 14. I would have thought you were just high or something. <laughs> I never would have thought it would happen. But, you know, 12 months and two apocalyptic events later, we're somehow still here and still recording. And honestly, I really just, I can't wait to see what comes next. We're going to get a trailer and then we're going to get oh. some behind the scenes stuff. And then we're going to get a freaking episode and we're going to just explode it's going to be amazing and i cannot wait to go on this journey with you all and i, I brought it up before but i don't i actually think, i think it may, may have been on the nevers cast so I'll, I'll say it again now on this anniversary episode when buffy first aired i was watching it on bbc2 we were about six months behind i was still in high school when dawn was around so like i was way way behind you all Angel never aired over here, so and I, and I watched that on DVD long after it had finished. Firefly had already been cancelled by the time I got round to watching it, and I only realised Dollhouse existed about three years ago. This will actually be the first time that I'm watching a Joss Whedon TV show as it airs, and I can't wait to be in like on the ground floor with all you amazing people, and I cannot wait to go on what I'm really hoping is going to be an epic journey with all of you and it's going to be legendary um i'm just happy to be here i'm happy to be involved i'm happy to be invited uh i am happy that matt reached out because i never would have reached out to him um i'm so excited i uh, so i didn't see buffy real time either uh, where i lived didn't even have the channel it was on so and i saw the movie and I, was, I knew what he was going for, and I knew he didn't get to deliver it. Like, you could tell by the title how subversive he wanted it to be, and then somebody mucked with his vision. Um, so I didn't see Firefly or an Angel in real time. I Or not Firefly, uh, Angel and Buffy. But I did see Firefly. I, I watched that get screwed up and canceled. I watched Dollhouse get screwed up and canceled. And I watched people talk about how he was finished, and that he was small time, and he was a television director, and... Then he got the Avengers and it was, it was, I was so overjoyed that he finally, and, 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 and he got the Avengers and he helped construct the early part of Marvel. A lot of people don't know that. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, but I was overjoyed that I knew this meant he had the juice to get what he wants. And when he got the HBO show, I was like, we, we're doing it. This is going to be fantastic. And so, you know, Part of the problem with leaving my show is that I wanted, I still wanted to be involved, um, but I just couldn't handle it. So God bless Matthew for reaching out and inviting me because I feel this is a passion, passion, passion project for me. And I feel as invested as anybody else, even though I've only, like, this is my first official show. I've been behind the scenes a lot. So, and I love all you guys. You're so talented and interesting. I'm so sad Kelly isn't here because she is so cute and we love you, Kelly. <laughs> and, and, and unique. And, you know, she would have brought a whole different perspective to this show. So I'm, mm. I'll be glad when she comes back. But we, I feel like we're a strong team. And I'm looking forward to working with you guys for a long time. Love you. Because I say, <laughs> it feels weird to think this is your first official episode. I you've know. kind of been part of the podcast crew for so long now. And we just haven't made it official. I told Matt, um, I noticed our messages, like my, his messages to me, was, that's the first place he reached out to me was Twitter. And I was like, how long ago was that? Six months? 
August 1st of last year. Like you guys had only had a couple episodes out. So it's almost a year like that Matt and I have been talking. So it's crazy how time flies. It's crazy how we connected almost immediately. And and it's, it's like kismet, right? We're all meant to be here. Yep. For yep. one reason Agreed. or another. And, and and when we did an episode together for the first time, Heather, instantly after, I, I told my sister, I'm like, I need Heather to be on our podcast. I need it to happen. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm really I happy. Think, so. I, I think Matt was fishing for a long time. And, and when I finally yep. came to him about the show ending, he was like, so <laughs> it, it all worked out. If you want to you know, listen to more of our insane nerdcore rambling... Please feel free to find The Nevers Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube, where you can subscribe to be notified the moment we upload any new content. For more Nevers-related content, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HBO The Nevers, or on our website, hbothenevers.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on what we should watch for patreon next send them to the nevers podcast at gmail.com heather gina thank you so much for being here and burning up daylight with me uh do you want to briefly kind of let people know who you are and where they can find you on the internet yes you could follow me at gina gemini g-e-m-e-n-i on twitter instagram uh yeah please please talk to me i love talking geeky stuff as you've noticed (laughs) You can find me on my freshly created just for you guys Twitter account uh, because I have my personal account locked down for reasons um, at HMB at TMP TNP. <laughs> and yeah, I have been Tyke. And if you want to find me on social media, I've caved and you can find me at. And on that account, I'll be showing some behind the scenes footage. I've got a leaked Nevers episode one script I'm reading through. So yeah, if you if you want to find any good news, just search for me at. You better send that to me. <laughs> so yeah, until next time, I've been Tyke, and this has been the Nevers Podcast. This is a Culture Inject production. The intro and outro music was produced by Gilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy. Warner Media Entertainment or any of its subsidiaries including Home Box Office, HBO, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers and all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders.